Today's podcast is sponsored by MPB, the online pricing engine that provides the right price for any camera or lens. Get free kit pickup and get paid within days, all without leaving your home. How much could you get? Find out with a free instant quote at www.mpb.com forward slash sell. Hello and welcome to the AV Forums Movies Podcast for Monday the 21st of August 2023. Tonight I'm joined by Tom Davis. That's me. And Mark Costello. That's not me. Oh, wait. (laughs) No, what? (laughs) Tonight, Matthew, I'm going to be Simon Crust. Oh, no. Hi, Simon. Have you got a box for us? (laughs) No, No, I'm I'm waiting for it to be delivered from Amazon. Focus, Jack. The bomb is on the bus. Um, <laughs> this week, we take a look at the first in DC's new wave, uh, Blue Beetle, and the movie with the best engine noises, Gran Turismo, <laughs> at the cinema now. There we go. Yeah, we're going to have plenty of that. <laughs> uh, Gal Gadot's uh, disposable actioner, Heart of Stone on Netflix, the, and the digital releases of Jennifer Lawrence's No Hard Feelings and Pixar's Elemental, both of which I actually enjoyed. Um, we look at the 4K discs of Razorback, as Mark is promoting. Strangely. Arrow's Weird Science. Um, more Bruce Lee with Enter the Dragon on 4K. US discs like Kino's release of Friedkin's To Live and Die in LA. Nice. And Criterion's Thelma and Louise in 4K, as well as TV and streaming. Like, finally, we're going to talk about Justified City Primeval. And the finale of, well, kind of finale, kind of did it end? Half a finale. Yeah. Mm. Of Star Trek Strange New Worlds season two. Right, let's dive into comps, Mark. Okay, yes. So, uh, uh, evening all, you can win a number of titles from my August top 10 Blu-ray list, which currently includes the Three Musketeers, D'Artagnan, Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret, Inu O, and the three British comedies by Muriel Box, which I must have reviewed at least five times over the last six months. Uh, and you can still win Dungeons & Dragons Honor Amongst Thieves on Blu-ray and Sam Peckinpah's Cross of Iron on limited edition 4K Steelbook. Excellent prize, that. So head over to avforums.com forward slash competitions to enter. And as ever, all competitions are open to eligible AV Forums members resident in the UK. Nice. Previous winners, supporter George L78 won the Laureate on Blu-ray. Supporter Academic Barzo won... Justice League War World on limited mm. edition Steelbook Blu-ray. Uh, supporter Chosen One Scream 6 on Blu-ray. I couldn't do my Roman numerals there for a second. Star supporter Mikey Cube also won Scream 6. It's still 6 on well, Blu-ray. None of those people are me. What, what did I win? D'Artagnan. Hey, okay. <laughs> you, win, you, you in the presence of our company for an hour tonight, Tom. Uh, that surprise, is it? Right. <laughs> Let's have some movie reviews and news. Well, the surprise of the week probably has to go to Blue Beetle. I still don't want to give it to Blue Beetle, but I'm going to say maybe Blue Beetle. Mark went to see it and he gave it a seven. So I'm just putting that out there. <laughs> Way to spoil my thunder Just there. Gave it a you don't actually have to reveal us. Yeah. No. That's it. Uh well 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 look, to be honest, I really didn't want to go and see Blue Beetle. I'd never heard of the character. 
after the flash left a very bad taste in my mouth. You know, all the shenanigans with James Gunn and Pete Saraphon messing around and messing around and messing around and continually reshooting Aquaman and Batman's in and Batman's out and Batman's in. Oh, no, there's no Batman now. You know, all that crap that's going on. I just had absolutely zero interest in this. But Mr. Harlow asked nicely. So, you know, sucked it up and I went and <laughs> blow me down. I actually really quite enjoyed it. Uh, it's your typical superhero origin film in almost every way narratively it could be. There is a MacGuffin. It is an alien scarab that is being discovered by a nefarious corporation who wants to harness its powers to make, yes, trillions of dollars from next generation weaponry, all that kind of gubbins. But lo and behold, it's stolen and ends up in the possession of someone who has no interest in being a next generation superhero, super soldier, whatever. Uh, in this instance, a very charming but very bumbling uh, Latina 20-something called Jaime Reyes. And I do apologize. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to do any more pronunciation now because I'll just offend everyone. Uh, whereby the scab chooses him and they become symbiotic hosts. And yes, everyone, including a moustache-twirling Susan Sarandon, really doesn't like it. And yes, there's some CG exploding stuff as per usual. And there's end credit stings and all the usual superhero guffins. Now, if you take it on that level, it is, oh God, it's everything you've seen before. Even some of the superhero, there's even action beats, which you are now recognizing, you know, two overpowered, in, invulnerable super suits smacking crap out of each other until the plot says, one of eeny, meeny, manny, you lose. Uh, you know, they've, they've got powers that are like Green Lantern's ability to conjure any weaponry up that you could imagine. So what do they imagine? An electronic whip, like Whiplash out of Iron Man 2, and a massive sword out of any Japanese video game you've ever seen. You know, it's every single thing you see of this superhero story screams. I've seen that before. But, but, I hear you all cry. How has that scored a seven after all that rubbish, Mark? Good engine noises. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, but frankly, what it does do, it does two things which surprise me. One is that there's no usual universe ending shenanigans here where, you know, the scope of the world is exponentially more epic than the last film. It's not that at all. It's actually quite a small scale and a fairly personal film for, well, as personal as a superhero CG explodathon can get. But what it's what it does really well is it stuffs it full of charming characters. Uh, it gives it a I hate to say it because frankly Vin Diesel's ruined the word, but there's a family feel to this. Well, this is a proper family. It's a family. It's a multi generational family, and it's a family who bicker and they bust each other's balls, but they care for each other. And you know, there's some crazy insane characters george lopez is a conspiracy nut loving uncle uh adriana barraz is, is an amazing cute nana who it turns out has a insane revolutionary past uh and, and they all kind of come together with the film focused and built instead of having that wrapped around the superhero stuff the superhero stuff is wrapped around that it's actually there's one bit halfway through you know, the midpoint is a massive big action scene that culminates in you know uh, our, our our blue beetle is 
captured by Susan Sarandon flying off in a helicopter. And what would normally happen is as the camera pans down to the snivelling family there, you know, crying their eyes out, we'd probably follow Sarandon and Beetle to, you know, focus on the superhero part of the story. And we don't. We stay firmly with the family for the next 15, 20 minutes. It it gives a very different spin on it. It keeps it personal. It keeps it rooted in character. And these are nice characters. They have really nice dynamics. Uh, there's a, a lightness to it, a joy to it. It cleverly interweaves some of that Latina feel that that. The, the culture that the, the, the whole thing is built around. And I'm no expert in all of this stuff. But what, what was interesting is, you know, there's lots of uh, Spanish dialogue that isn't translated. There's very obvious Spanish in-jokes that, that, you know, I live in Manchester. I, I'm a white Manchester guy. And these, are, these things are just flying over my head. But it gives it a very unique spin, a very unique flavor. And at the end of the day, you know, I can put all the generic superhero crap to one side. And I just really enjoyed hanging out with those characters for a couple of hours. So, you know, whether or not this is the dying breath of the old order of the DCEU, or whether it truly is the first breath of James Gunn's new universe. Probably neither. <laughs> yeah, probably. Who knows? If it is the first breath, and there are rumours that Blue Beetle is going to be a recurring character in future films, then actually, as long as we retain that focus and emphasis on character, you know, on dialogue, and it isn't just all about stupid CG plotting, which you've seen time and time again, then I'm, I hate to say it, cautiously optimistic for this new dawn of DC. So, so yeah, I, I, I had a really good time with it. I went in with no expectations, was completely taken aback by these disarming and charming characters. I had a whale of a time. Uh, but I can I can just as easily see people not able to get past the generic superhero-ness of it all. So, you know, go in with no expectations, and I think you'll have a ball with it. I mean, it hasn't done well. So <laughs> it I really hasn't. Yeah, we're not going to see the Beatles. It's, it's going to be... It's going to be one and done for this, but well, yeah, you have piqued my interest, albeit it, on solid streamer. Or it's a, else, a, yeah. a solid, yeah, yeah, and, and it is, and it is a shame. But that's that's, I think that's more to do with the the current state of cinema. It is, yeah, almost and, certainly, uh, and and the name. But yes, he, yes, either. Well, well, you say that. I mean, no one ever heard of Guardians of the Galaxy, had they? But I think that the difference is right. If if you were the sort of person who had heard of Guardians of the Galaxy you'd probably have gone, that could be quite fun. Whereas if you're the sort of person who's heard of Blue Beetle, you're more likely going, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. that Blue Beetle is frequently the butt of the joke in, in DC Comics. <laughs> like he, time and time again, he is he has fallen on his face as in terms of like success and sales and has a super devoted, but very small following. <laughs> so it's... Yeah, when I uh, when I first saw that they were they were pitching it, I thought, "What? Booster <laughs> Gold? Yeah, yeah, Booster Gold is next." <laughs> I, do you know what? Yeah, probably. <laughs> I, I, I mean, it just it just, but it isn't that just where the DC thinking is at at this moment in time. It's just, I mean, where where's the rhyme nor reason? Where's the plan for this? No, I mean, it's just throw everything at the wall and just... see what sticks, right? You know what they're doing yeah. to Aquaman. I mean, good God. 
you know, let, let, what they're on their fourth round of reshoots or their third round of reshoots with their second Batman, and then there's no Batman in it. I mean, for God's sake, it's just madness. But anyway, forget all that. Uh, if you catch Blue Beetle either at the cinema or on streaming, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I'll, I'll look forward to it later like, down the line. Unlike Gran Turismo. Do you know yeah. what? what I, everything I was going to say about Gran Turismo, Mark has prefaced perfectly. Oh. Because in 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 talking about Blue Beetle as um, a collection of components that you have seen time and time again and are kind of tired of, tied together by nice, satisfying, charming character work, it's like you hit the nail on the head for what Gran Turismo is missing. It is, um, to fill you in on, on the storyline, it is the, the true story. True story. Uh, true story. Uh, based yeah, on a true story. Yeah. Um, truth. Do you know what? There is There is more truth to it than I was expecting there to be, having known nothing about it. But essentially, the, the story is that of um, Jan Mardenborough, who, um, as a, a young guy, was a little bit directionless, was really involved in Gran Turismo, the video game, um, got a um, defining lap time on one of the circuits in the game, and was uh, invited to join the GT Academy, which essentially is like, or was, no, it's still going, I think, is is like a like a marketing ploy um, that Gran Turismo and Nissan partnered up um, in order to both raise the profile of Nissan and Gran Turismo, whereby they invited video gamers who were really good at this driving sim to come and have a go um to win the chance to be in the actual seat of a real race car um and Jan Mardenborough won that chance he got that uh, opportunity to sit in a car um and from there built a career in motorsport um in in both uh touring uh, no sorry in both GT and Formula 3 um and is now currently still racing like and still semi-successful at it. it it is an absolutely nuts story that I you could him. take yeah absolutely it is it is crazy and i am all about like this this unlikely underdog story but the film is just so boring it is <laughs> it is everything like you said mark everything that you've seen before from from like an underdog sports movie you've got you've got the the um the family who tell him that he can't do it or that he shouldn't do it you've got the the old salt who is literally called jack salter um as the mentor sort of gruffly egging him on really doesn't believe in him but kind of changes his mind after a while You've got the the moment of disaster that almost ends the entire career. And then you've got the slow building back to make something of yourself to be, in the end, triumphant. And it's days, of, days of Thunder, right? Or Rocky, 
or whatever you like. <laughs> He's a chunder more like. It it is it takes every play in the book to to um craft a story that you have seen so many times before, so many times before. And holding it together is nothing. It is it just disintegrates in your hands as you're holding it. Um the the things that should be there to make it uh like involving a, a set of great performances, uh, a winsome main character, uh you know, like a winsome. Winsome, yeah. <laughs> a, a, you know. That's just what I want as an anchor of my sports story. Yeah. <laughs> I bet it, it's it's yeah. just it's got nothing. Yeah. It's got none of that. It, it's all absolutely flat. Like um Orlando Bloom playing Danny Moore, who is um a character invented for the movie, but essentially the the mastermind behind this GT Academy. Mm. Um, idea, uh, I I don't think Orlando Bloom could be less interested to be there. Um, likewise, David Harbour as Jack Salter, who's this uh, mechanic, a uh, racer turned mechanic mentor to to Yan. Uh, they they are putting in a performance that is um, enough to get them a paycheck, and and that is it. I have seen mm. both of them be far more engaging with far less. And I'm saying that about Orlando Bloom, for God's sake, you know, like <laughs> and, calcium and, kid. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, but the real, I don't want to lay the blame solely uh, at the guy's feet, but um, Archie Madekwe, who plays Jan Mardenborough, um, has a lot to do in order to sort of salvage this as a character mm. that you really, really want to root for. He has a um, a horrific setback um, that is just beyond words devastating. And you just don't feel it. He, he, I, he has real difficulty, I think, selling the depth of trauma that must have been there for um, Mardenborough in in his real life yeah um, and that is the point where like this this is win or lose this is this is either the movie works or it doesn't work and at that moment it didn't get me and it didn't work and and at that point it's like you've now you've got nothing yeah. now you've got now you've got you are never going to pull me back from this point because this is your this is your gambit this is your big deal this is your um uh, make an impact on your audience and it just completely fails. Mm. And it's a shame because there's some bits of it that are not bad at all. The racing is um, high octane. It is um, yeah. Good engine pants. noises. Good engine. <laughs> um, there are some really spectacular um, racing disasters in the career of Mardenborough and um, not all of them involving him but um, that he was sort of present for um, and they are just incredibly shot um, but I was kind of expecting that you know like I, mm -hmm. when you go and see a movie about motorsport you are kind of expecting them to get the motorsport yeah. right um, and they do so good on them 
but it's just nowhere near enough. It's nowhere it's not, near enough. It's not a poster tagline, is it? Like some some of it is not bad. <laughs> yeah. Like... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I I just think there's if you if you go to see it to be um if you're invested in the genre, if you always know you're gonna like this kind of like underdog, um Boyd makes good like story, then you'll probably get something out of it because it it does all those things exactly as you would expect it to. It just does nothing else. Mm. Um and and so that sounds a little bit like Heart of Stone, to be fair, which I started, but yeah. no, I mean... no, no. Do you know? <laughs> do, do, do you know what, Kaz? It's it's not like that. You know why? This is my genre, Mark. No, this no, no, is, no. This is these are the films I watch crap on Netflix. I just yeah, I watch it I and they make it for me. And every time I stick some of the stuff, you did this one, and every time I stick some of the stuff on, I'm like, this could be good. It's not. But it, but yeah, but the problem is there, Kaz. You'd already had the review that said don't watch it, and yet you watched it. Oh, my daughter wanted to watch it. She so, she thought, you know, she saw Wonder Woman. She's like, oh, is that Wonder Woman? I was like, well, not really, but sure. Okay, so I'm going to pick up the narrative thread from what Tom just said about Gran Turismo. Because yeah, I'm on fire today in terms I of like, think, synergy, oh, aren't we? It's, boy, it's, oh boy. It, it, it's yeah. like Blue Beetle to Gran Turismo to Heart to of Heart Stone. Stone. Because yeah, I think, I think, I think Heart, Heart of Stone, again, for, for the three out of three, it's a generic genre piece that is mm. full of things we have seen plenty of times before. It is the globe-trotting super spy film with a world-ending AI MacGuffin that some bad guys want, that some good guys want to stop them from getting. You know, it's packed full of huge CG-drenched explosions and car and bike chases and all the usual stuff. So a little bit like Blue Beetle, a little bit like Gran Turismo. I think the problem with this is the problem with Heart of Stone was for all of that, it's like my pulse never went above that. You know, literally didn't even didn't even do this. You know, it just just flatlined all the way through. You were dead it, while you were watching it. It, it, it was it was so vanilla, so bland. It it did nothing. I mean. Christ, you know, Tom Cruise and Chris McQuarrie have been re remaking the same film four times over, and yet we lap it all up. They've tapped into the magic formula of doing exactly that. Make the same film over and over again, but each time it feels different, even though it's the same characters, same cast, same, cast, same behind the camera, all that kind of stuff. But Heart of Stone felt like it was an empty... Here's one to ask your, kids, uh, to ask your parents about facsimile. There you go. Word of the day. <laughs> it was an empty facsimile of everything we've seen before. Uh, yeah. and, and, and I think, you know, a lot of it is probably down to Gal, Gal Gadot in, in the lead. I, she can't act. Can she's, I mean, I, I, I want to say I like her in Wonder Woman 1 because everyone says they like her in Wonder Woman 1, but she's, she's really running out of she, she's the, whatever she earned as kudos for doing that I, I, th I think she suited wonder woman initially because she was very much a fish out of water so she had that wide-eyed stranger mm. in a strange land you know you could she could almost afford to be the 
naive, innocent in a cynical world. And because that's what the character was. Unfortunately, it turns out that's the kind of actor she is. And it doesn't work. And it doesn't work here. You know, she's not helped by uh, huge amounts of really quite bad CG. Her, her body double probably is in the film more than she is. She doesn't convince on any level as a kick-ass super spy, you know, at any point during the film. And and it's like Tom said, if you don't have that that emotional character anchor, what what, what do you care about? Who You know, how do you root for the film mm. when you don't have that? And, you know... I think what, what was worse about Heart of Stone was that there was not enough in it to make me get really mad at it. You know, yeah, I can it, see that. It, it's one of those films you just kind of go, well, you know, if I'm looking on my phone and suddenly there's, oh, there's an explosion. Oh, okay, that was kind of cool. I wasn't watching it, but it, at the corner of my eye, it looked all right, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. And it's like, oh, okay, well, hang on, I'm still on my phone. I'm doing my fantasy football mm. team. Oh, hang on. Oh, yeah, there's a bike chase. Good engine noise. Not quite as good engine noise, but good engine noise. And, and, I think be, and, I, and I think and I think because of that, uh, you know, I, I was I listened to a podcast this week where some very, very cynical people were saying that these Netflix originals are almost meant to be background noise. That's 100%. Why, that's 100%. Why, you, you know, things don't have a huge amount of money spent on the CG because no one's really looking at it as long as it's, a you know, squinting up with your phone sort of in yeah. front of your face it you, looks you glance right. up and ryan reynolds is there job done you know? uh, absolutely <laughs> so so i mean oh you know I, I, I was looking back at this and part of me thought how could i score heart of stone higher than meg 2 which i did unfortunately <laughs> but but i think ultimately Meg 2 elicited an emotional response out of me, even though it was abject disappointment, having loved Ben Wheatley and, and, and liked the book. Yeah, but at the least disappointment it, factor it, it, it generated an emotional response that made me made me upset. Yeah. Scored it, it down. Yeah. Heart, of, it, Heart of Stone, just meh. I mean, you know, Netflix it's five. absolutely fine. <laughs> you know, and, 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 and again, I do get it. You know, I, I read the comments and people are like, well, it's just this perfectly fine, Mark. What, what, what were you expecting? Mm. And it's like, well, every film I watch, I expect to be good. I don't expect, I don't go into a film expecting it to be bland and met and dull and, you know, that kind of background noise. So, you know, apologies to everyone who may have questioned my scoring, but <laughs> it was just heart of stone. I mean, it was so, in I mean, so, do you know what? I will qualify it. The first 20 minutes, I actually thought we were in for some good stuff because there's a couple of nuggets of interest in there. You know, you've got this Gal Gadot's character is a character within a character, which you don't see anything. Oh, that's interesting. How's that going to play out? Answer, not at all. Yeah, they yeah. don't. They blow it after there's, 15, 20 yeah, minutes. There's, there's, there's some quite cool uh, visuals about what this AI, the heart thing does. And you think, oh, again, how is that going to play into it? And again, they don't because that thing switched off after 20 minutes because they're trying to chase it in a bloody blimp in the sky somewhere. So, you know, there were nuggets of stuff that meant this could have been something interesting. But do you know what? By by the time my disappointment at the end of the first act, oh, so they're not doing anything with that. Oh, they're not doing anything with that either. Oh, okay. Oh, well. Who's in my fancy football team this week? <laughs> oh, oh, what was that? Yeah, uh, yeah. We oh. are going to get pulled up again for being negative about everything. Okay, no, here, here you go. No, you know what? Here no, you go. no, we 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 weren't though. Blue Beetle. Yeah, I, that's I, true. I, you know, you, you that's know, true. I mean, 
That was a long time ago, Mark. But 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 but, but, but the but the, the point is, I I I know sometimes we can be negative, and but I, I I was thinking about this. You know, we are in the lucky position in that we probably see more films a year than than most people like to say. It's part of our job, isn't it? Really, but because we are we are you know we watch more, we see you, you know we see more quality. Because, but also because we, we see watch more, more we see more. Mark's just Politics. trying to say that we're we're just better people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, that's not that's, that's a, not that's a qualification. Oh, do you know what? I'm, I'm, oh, being more. Oh, I, 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 <laughs> the guy in the no. Razorback t-shirt. Ex- 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 exactly. For those no, who are just no. listening at home. <laughs> <laughs> like... No, no. What 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 I was trying to say is that yes, yeah, sometimes we can sound negative about some of these films, yeah. but I think it's just because, well, for starters, it's because we excuse my French, we give a crap. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I don't yeah, I watch a film ever to go. Ah, well, you know, if if it's all right, that's good enough. Yeah, you know, I, to I, to pass the time doesn't no, really cut it. No, mm. I don't. I don't ever watch a film to pass which, the time, which is ironic because the two last films in our list are well, two, safe, Kaz. we didn't well, do at the cinema, which I watched to pass the time. We didn't cover <laughs> them at the cinema; they came out on digital. Uh, I was away away on travels, and I thought. One of them would go down well with the wife and one of them would go down well with the kids. And they both turned out to be really good. I mean, Excellent. really good for what they were, but but a lot better than the to pass the time Netflix quality, which mm. I was kind of expecting. First is Disney Pixar's Elemental, which the trailer made just look painful. No blah. Yeah, so it was. Blah. I, it's I, a hoot. Yeah, it was. I, I really was. enjoyed this. Yes, I, I had a lot of fun with Elemental and I I found myself watching it with this to pass the time attitude with the kids like loving it and then slowly getting sucked in beyond the, oh, this isn't, you know, I don't really want to watch this attitude I'd gone in with to, wow, I'm, I'm actually enjoying this and I'm laughing. Um, nice. It was, uh, it had heart to it. It had a spark of that Disney magic, uh, Disney Pixar magic, which I feel has been a little bit lacking recently. And it isn't, you know, a Pixar classic, but it was a lot better than I expected. And visually, it's absolutely stunning. It it found something to say, which is more than a Pixar movie has done for a few years. I think, I I guess Turning Red, um, I really enjoyed um, but it it felt like it had something to say about people's experience, and that yes. was that was it. It's been missing from what makes Pixar movies great is yes. is that second yeah. level of like this is a great cartoon, a really good family movie, yeah. beautiful to watch. The animation is obviously gorgeous, but also just a couple of minutes to think about it and you realize man that that was that was important to someone because it was saying something about yeah. a specific experience which is yeah brills and it's the it's the writer director's own experiences yeah. his own family coming yeah. to new york in the 70s the the split between cultures there all of that informs the narrative here and you know it's not it's not present throughout there's a lot of it played for laughs 
but um but it's there in in the heart in that little nugget like tom says it's just just something for a few minutes that reminds you that someone out there really cares about this and it makes you care too it feels authentic so it was nice it was a nice return to form for me um and completely different uh was jennifer lawrence's no hard feelings which i had similar reservations about though i was I, i was like this looks okay i guess as some kind of raunchy comedy thing with jennifer lawrence i mean okay but i wasn't really itching to see it i i really found it laugh out loud funny it was it was very good she was spectacular she's so coarse and sassy and uh, everything she's never been before no she's just she's just a force of nature and uh, i found that there are a couple of things that didn't work perfectly in the movie and it's a it's the kind of narrative it's a story of um it's a story of like uh, a montauk local who's he's a bit washed up she's an uber driver who loses her car to repossession and she's gonna lose her house so she needs a new car so she finds out about this gig basically uh trying to give a rich kid's 19 year old son some experience before they go off to Princeton uh, to come out of their nerdy, geeky, whatever shell because they just live in their room and play Mortal Kombat. You mean and, sex, Kaz? Is that what well, you mean? Yeah, no, they, they uh, say, you want me to date him or you want me to date him? And then it's oh, like, oh, sorry, date, sorry. Him, date him hard. Can we, so, can we not, so not say the S word. Yeah, no, Sorry. no, it's completely about it. It's an utter sex comedy. <laughs> it's it's a comedy that, that was made in the 80s, but somehow someone found it in 2023. But um it's it works. Jennifer Lawrence makes it work. She's ridiculous. She is the most terrifying, terrifying like man-eater ever. Her approach to trying to get this vehicle through seducing this this kid it's like turning up in a grade jennifer lawrence dresses and just boom straight in his face and i'm down with that yeah but he is he is he's like lost for words (laughs) like rape spray he is absolutely (laughs) terrified she is fabulous in it and she obviously she can't understand it she's like i'm 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 right here um, but uh, it's kind of nicely done. The trouble with it is that it's hard to know where this can go. He is yeah. 19. She's like 30 something. And the way the characters have been cast, at least, I mean, it's, it's just hard to hard to end it. Mm. They do. They do in a satisfying way. But it's a it's a it's a hard thing. In the meantime, it's just running gags, and the gags are very, very good and very imaginative. And I'll try my best not to spoiler this, but one of them involves one of the best full frontal scenes I have ever seen committed to a mainstream movie. Okay, it's sold spectacularly innovative. It's a real fist punch moment, and well, I can't... wonder where you were going there. <laughs> Really, really is. Um, <laughs> telling you right now, it's, it's, 
it's it's worth watching for that alone. I mean, Lawrence produced the movie, uh, and she that it was. Yes, it was it's, a good moment. It, <laughs> it, 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 it's mad, isn't it? Because Lawrence is like that in in real life. She is funny, and you know. Well, she, and, I hope and, she's not like this in real well, life. <laughs> just but, proper but crazy. She, <laughs> she is so funny in all the, the junkets that she does for all the films. She's a genuine funny person, and yet she just doesn't do comedy, does she? No, she she doesn't. She she did. Um, don't look up. I think, but I, I don't know. Oh, it's tough to class that as comedy, I guess. But I didn't make it know. after ten minutes of that crap. Yeah, but uh, but I mean, she. It's nice to see her let loose. Good, properly, properly let loose. Anyway, I, I just uh, it, they were nice sights because both of them. I was, I was, I was like, eh, eh. and uh, and yeah, good. They were very good. End on a positive note, there, Kaz. Yeah, I tried to, Mark, until you, like, said the words. But <laughs> um, next oh. up, we're going to talk uh, 4K discs. If you enjoy the podcast on YouTube, then please like and subscribe. If you're listening to the audio version, then please leave us a rating on your podcast app. We invite you to email questions and feedback to podcast at avforums.com. And join in with this episode's discussion thread in the podcasts forum at AV Forums. Right, we have some 4K discs, loads of 4K discs. I don't know how we're going to get all of this done, but Mark Quickly. followed his Jaws predatory killer animal themes all the way to Australia for Pigs with Attitude. Yes, raise the back as I am so advertising across my chest. Uh, for someone who has a love of rubbish 80s genre creature features, uh, I was almost embarrassed I'd never seen Razorback before. Don't, don't, don't take my card off me. Uh, but this was an absolute blast. It is a, a, an Australian cult classic. It is Russell Mulcahy's first film. He got it off the back of all those Duran Duran videos. Uh, without Razorback, we wouldn't have got Highlander. So yay uh, for man-eating pigs. And it is about a 900-pound man-eating pig. It's that simple. Uh, I mean, I mean th there's no bones about it. Even the making of documentary on the disc is called Jaws on Trotters. So that's exactly what it was going for. But interestingly enough, Mulcahy injects an awful lot of that crazy 80s music video visual aesthetic to it and, and and it works in a really crazy way the outback looks like some strange alien landscape always caught in a half light you know either late at night or early in the morning it gives it a real supernatural netherworldly feel and then couple that you've you, you've got uh the backdrop is an illegal pet food cannery so you've got a kind of crazy industrial landscape that brings to mind you know the mad max films it's it's a really strange brew but it's a a heady brew at that uh some of the pig attacks are quite gnarly the opening pig attack is very reminiscent of the opening of american wolf in london you know that very brutal attack on the moors uh it's a it's a very very good 80s creature feature with a very australian feel but it's it's got a real character about it. It's got a real visual wow to it. So yeah, I had a I had a real blast with it. Now, part of the reason why I finally got Razorback is because Umbrella 
the uh, the Australian Arrow, if you will, uh, had released a super duper 4K special edition of it. Uh, of which not only did you get this wonderful T-shirt that I am modeling here, uh, everyone, you also got a toy pig, which is right there. Yes, that's right. That is a toy <laughs> pig, a seven seven centimeter long toy pig. Uh, but more importantly, you got a fantastic set like this. Absolutely gorgeous hardback set. You've got the original novel. Look at that. That's the full novel in glorious hardback. Uh, the the disc box is absolutely. You know the artwork here is utterly insane. It's glorious. Oh. Uh, so I had very high hopes, and unfortunately, they were completely dashed the minute the film started. The 4K transfer is one of the most disappointing transfers I've ever seen on the format. Uh, first of all, there's no wide color gamut or H HDR of any kind. In essence, we are talking Blu-ray type formatting here. Uh, yes, it has a 4K resolution, but somehow... They even managed to cock up the aspect ratio. The original aspect ratio of 2.35 to 1. It's stretched slightly. Now, it's not noticeable. It's not like they've stretched it to 1.85. They've stretched it to something like 2.25 or something like that. So it's not immediately noticeable. But every once in a while, someone will walk past and they'll just look very tall and very thin. Uh, it's been reported out on other forums as well. They've done some comparisons between previous discs and, and, and the ge geometry problems are there. But ultimately, what they include in the pack is the previous 2018 1080p release they did. So this was before the brand new 4K restoration that Shout Factory used earlier this year and the 4K is supposed to be based on. And if you do a comparison between the old 1080p disc and the 4K disc, I swear to God, they look exactly the same. They've got the same low-level print damage. They've got the same camera jugger. The colors look exactly the same. The detail look exactly the same. Honestly, I couldn't even tell you which disc was which, other than the compression on the, uh, yeah, the, the, the bit rates on the 4K disc are slightly higher than on the 1080p disc. Immensely disappointing, especially as apparently the Shout Factory release from March this year got glowing reviews. Now, we know that Umbrella have issued uh, a replacement disc for this because they accidentally region locked the 4K. Now, we have contacted Umbrella to say, I'm, I'm, I'm not being funny, mate. I think you've just stuck the 1080p disc on the 4K disc by mistake. Can you have a look at it, please? Haven't got a response. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if the region locking was the only error they'd put on this disc. Honestly, the 4K disc looks exactly like a six-year-old unremastered, un unrestored Blu-ray. Very disappointing because the rest of the set is amazing. You know, the audio is, is pretty good. The extras, they've got that fantastic Jaws on Trotters feature length uh, making of. There's two audio commentaries. Uh, you've got the book. The box is amazing. Honestly, I wanted to love this release, but frankly, it, it can't be recommended when you can pick up, you know, a 20 quid uh, 1080p release from Shout Factory to give you better picture quality. So very disappointing. We'll keep you posted. If we hear anything back from Umbrella, if they if they ship out the new 4K disc and it's 
accidentally got a very different 4K transfer on. We'll update the review. But as it stands now, especially as it's only available at the moment in these collector's editions, which aren't cheap, can't recommend this release whatsoever, which is a huge shame. Oh, man. Gutted. Wow. Yeah. What, a, Gutted. what a downer to end that on. <laughs> boy, boy, Mark. Yeah, you were you had completely sold me in the first couple of minutes. It was um, the little pig that sold you, Tom. Is well, that was it? The little oink, yeah, oink. I, I do quite. I quite <laughs> still like tempted. Tempt. Still tempted. I Might do like a bit of a twist. Yeah. The the pig and the t-shirt and the book. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I mean, you know, you're a sucker for a book. Look at that. I mean, just look at that. Wait, wait yeah, a second. No. Art cards. Oh. Are we talking art cards? Here? Uh, yes. Yes. Do you want to yeah, see? The, thank yes. You. Yeah, see. Uh, I mean, there's art cards as well. Yes. See. I mean, it's just got it's got Tom written all over it. But yeah. uh, well, yeah. Very, very disappointed in that release so far on the picture quality front. But fingers crossed they'll fix it. Uh, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna skip to stateside just for a second, Mark. Just to give you. Please do. A tiny breather. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh. I picked up a couple of discs in the US. I, I, t I mean, there's a wealth of choice out there, except for the fact that you can only get it from like two stores in the whole country. Um, and they're store exclusives. And they oddly cost more to buy direct from a store than they do to buy from Amazon through the Amazon US marketplace component of Amazon UK imported with free postage. So I'm not, I'm really not sure how that works at all, but I did pick up a couple. Uh, I got to Kino's to live and die in LA, which is this big fat poster back here. Uh, Friedkin, bless him. Um, he did some masterpieces. We talked about him briefly mm -hmm. uh, last podcast. And I, I mean, I, I really have a tough time arguing which of, mine which of two of the films that no one else would pick are my personal favorite of his films but it's going to be either this or sorcerer and i think it's probably this uh, i know he did french connection i i know he did uh, exorcist i know he's a fantastic director and has also directed some shit but i know i know he's a otherwise fantastic director but um to live and die in la was i mean it's just a fabulously gritty 80s uh, crime movie that uh, is full LA 80s. I mean, if you've played GTA Vice City, it feels like it's inspired by this movie. It's a, a combination of wing, um, Wang Chung music video uh songs which have no place really in a movie i mean the, the 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 group never did any other movie soundtracks and they did it for for this film and visuals which are i mean they're striking kind of sunsets and palm trees and proper la visuals um uh and underneath it is this dark crime story about uh secret service agents not doing their regular day job that that everyone kind of knows them for is protecting the president but um but counterfeiting the other side to the secret service and it's quite a, a dark tale of trying to capture willem defoe's slick but creepy psychotic um counterfeiter who's who does counterfeit money and um and it's got uh i think the debut performance from 
William Peterson, uh, who everyone knows Gil Grissom and CSI, but damn, he back in the day, he did this and he did Michael Mann's Manhunter. And I had no idea what happened to the rest of his career. He did this, he did Manhunter, and then he did CSI. And whatever happened in between doesn't make any sense to me because I think he's it's he's fabulous in this. He's absolutely wild. It's like a I don't know a prototype for Vic Mackey in the Shield. Uh, he's he's totally anti-hero, very hard to get behind, um, but also desperately intoxicating with this on the edge. I'm gonna you know I don't care about dying. But not in a kind of cliched way. He actually doesn't look like he cares about dying. Um, it's a, a fabulous performance. Anyway, it's it's a it's a proper gem uh, and a proper Friedkin gem, and one of the best all time car chases in it as well. Very very tense. I mean, people talk about Bullet all the time. It's up there. It's up there. Iconic Bullet style. Um, Kino. Thankfully, have done a tremendous job, and yes. and I'm I'm really best friends with them right now because they did it for Ronin, and then they they done it for To Live and Die in L.A. I mean, all they have to do is do Manhunter, and I, I would be just over the moon. Uh, it's native 4K, um, Dolby Vision. Uh, it's it's a gorgeous remaster. Uh, they pulled up all the fine detail you would like from the uh, original print and. They've used HDR and Dolby Vision to really make those 80s hues work. I mean, there's some great red, green, orange um, pops across it. It's, it is a magna- magnificent looking film. Uh, it's got a good selection of extras. I mean, it's always the thing with US discs, 4K discs, is you have to, if you're not, region free on the blu-ray front you have to keep your old blu-ray set and sling in the extra features from that it's mostly in fact i think it's all the same features but they're all on the the region a lot blu-ray but you can just keep i think the arrow blu-ray from back in the day and just the arrow release in. was really good. it's got some really good stuff on it it but... does yeah they, they're all the same and they were themselves taken from the shout factory release so it's really gone okay. all the way around the houses shout to arrow to, mm-hmm. to Kino now but as i said it's tremendous i don't think it's ridiculous to import and uh nice it gets a high recommendation i also did pick up i, I mean so much choice on criterion and i I'm aware that Criterion have just announced. Don't spoil it, Cass. Don't, don't spoil it. I am. I'm ruining oh. your entire what's coming on 4K. They've just announced. Why do I bother? UK 4K disc um, with Scorsese after Scorsese's After Hours, which I think is already out in the US on 4K. But anyway, they could have picked a new one. But whatever. Um, who knows when they'll get around to. Uh, going through their entire catalogue and it's really hard to know much like it happened on blu-ray because their transition to blu-ray back in the day mm-hmm. led to a staggered release of films that had been out on criterion blu-ray in the u.s for years yeah. so you, you don't really know what you're going to get i picked up um Thelma and louise which has just come out i also got one false move as well but um Thelma and louise ridley scott's 91 road movie I really enjoyed revisiting it. I, I still can't fully get on board with all the decisions made in this film. But as kind of this 
fantastical escapist uh, sort of metaphor for repressed revenge. Um, it was a fabulous ride. And I think that the two leads, Susan Sarandon and Gina Davis, Gina Davis, once she gets beyond being a screamy James Bond throwaway James Bond girl, I mean, once she gets beyond that screamy phase, they're both absolutely fabulous. And I know that's totally in character. And, you know, I know Davis is playing the part, but boy, that was irritating. But they are amazing in it. Harvey Keitel, Michael Madsen is a great cast. Uh, Scott shoots the hell out of the landscape and um, and he makes this kind of poetic fairy tale saga, crime saga. Um, crime romance saga. I found it thematically very similar in places to uh, to his brother Tony Scott's um, True Romance. Actually, funnily, after watching it, I was like, mm, "It's a little bit True Romance there." Um, I really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed watching it again. And Criterion, as you don't expect. I mean, I, I know it's a Ridley Scott-approved transfer, but that doesn't mean anything these days when directors approve stuff. It looks great. It's uh, original camera negative, restored in 4K, Dolby Vision. They've done a great job on it to the point where if it weren't for sort of the period vehicles, costumes and slightly dated uh, palettes, it, it could have been shot yesterday. It's It's got a really nice, this is what we can do with 35 millimeter film that's you know, 30, 40 years old. We, we can make it as good as new. Um, they've refined it. The HDR and Dolby Vision uh, don't make the palette like alien to fans of the film. They just give it some depth and some punch. Um, and it was it was great great revisiting it on on a on a set which is amazing for those who, as I said earlier, are region free, but really frustrating for those who aren't because it's not only got two. It's not only got the 4K disc and uh, blu-ray disc but it's got a second blu-ray disc of extras so two full blu-ray discs of extra features that i will likely never ever be able to watch until it comes out in uk criterion thank you very much criterion um but for those who can it's well worth importing absolutely stomping package Hurrah. excellent and you no gotta... one dies by pig in it no one dies by pig. But and they should have done. Tyrion missed a beat. They didn't include a little Hot Wheels of the. Of the oh car. yes, Cadillac Hot Wheels. I mean, every movie <laughs> a little something. Not a pig, but a little Cadillac. I'm I'm on board Sold. with the idea yeah. of second yeah. sign. Yeah. Where are you? Come on. Yeah. Everything. I want everything to come with a little toy of something. Now that would be great. I mean, I feel like Mark's got to take us through. Um, Weird Science and uh, Enter uh, the Dragon in like 120 uh, seconds. Right, re record timing. Okay, quickly then, Weird Science. So yes, uh, Arrow are on their 4K re-release train. I think it's, is it, what was it? Was it four years ago? I, I lose track. Four years ago, they released their 4K remastered 1080p version of Weird Science. Uh, this is now the full-throated 4K version of that. Uh, the disc itself offers up a surprising visual upgrade over that previous Blu-ray, shall we say. Uh, the first thing to uh, either amaze or offend, delete as appropriate, is how the grain looks. It's a very grainy film. And of course, 4K 
resolving that grain in finer detail means the grain just it looks sharper it looks more prominent it looks noisier but it just looks like grain should look as opposed to the 1080p where it's kind of a bit splotchy and a bit a bit a bit ugly so the first thing to know is that the grain is even more prominent but obviously what that means is that there's an extra layer of fine detail going on there and you can see it's it's not the most razor sharp it's a flat 185 i think it was shot spherical so you know it's a very very shallow depth of field it's a flat picture the detail is a slight improvement what is a big improvement though with the colors the primaries in this, if you think about, you know, the neon pink behind Kelly LeBrock when she steps out of the, the bathroom door for the first time, the bright red of the sky as they're firing up their computers, you know, the whole palette is slightly brighter than it was before, but that doesn't suddenly turn all the blacks into milky greys. Uh, but the, the, the brightness and richness and saturation of those primaries really do pop. So the whole thing does from a visual perspective, and I did go back and do some some very, very brief comparisons, I think it is a noticeable improvement for fans of the film. The, the rest of the package, the same audio tracks, it's the same batch of extras, so Arrow have put no new extras on there. Now, obviously, we only get check discs. We don't get the finished package, so I don't know if the booklet that's included in this release has the same writing or if it's got any new writing as before. I, I don't know. Check out on the forums. But ultimately, for, for this release, it's it's the visual upgrade, and that's your lot. But I think for fans of the film, and let's be honest, we're all fans of the film, as troubling as it may be. <laughs> just can't say troubling or problematic, because apparently it's only a new thing. It's not. I've never seen it. I've you've never, never, you've never seen it? never I've, seen Weird I mean, Science. I've seen, like, bits, but I feel like I missed... Do you remember what it was like to be an incredibly shallow teenage boy? It's that for 90 minutes. Yeah, Mark with, is spot on. It with, really, it is. With, with, I mean, with I've, I've Kelly seen, LeBrock looking amazing. I feel like two I've ways seen about it. it. Yeah, I know, but, you know, hard it's, to kill. It's, it, it's, it's well, well, I'll put it this way. I watched it as a 13-year-old boy, and it was the greatest film I've ever seen. I mm. watched it as the parent of a 13-year-old now, and let's just say there's a couple of bits that are slightly icky. Mm. <laughs> uh, but you know but i can still take it like do you know yeah. what it's teenage boy wish fulfillment but again what's interesting at and some of the comments in the thread were like oh well it's just it's to the modern world criticizing it well do you know what i even said in the review go back and watch the original uh, uh gene siskel and roger ebert review because they have a barney about the film where they are talking about one says he ridicules the objectification of women, and the other says, "Oh, stop being such a stick in the mud." And that was from the time, you know, I that bet, was from back I in bet it, I bet it was Rog saying, "Stop being such a stick in the mud." I bet he loved <laughs> it, it. Was it was? He <laughs> did. He, he absolutely it. loved it. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah. So we, we, weird science is a a lovely a lovely upgrade. Uh, as is, Enter the Dragon on 4K, the long-awaited 4K. Well, long-awaited for those that bought the uh, Arrow Bruce Lee box set the month before and only got the, the piddly little 1080p version. I, th I, think, I, think, I think what's interesting about, uh, well, first of all, interesting about Enter the Dragon, the film, it's not the best Bruce Lee film. There, I'm sorry, I'm going to say it. It's not. If you like, Mark, whatever. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, I, 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 I do like uh, Jim Kelly and I do like John Saxon, who apparently had an actual real-life black belt Looked like he couldn't even tie a belt in, in the yeah. film, quite frankly. Well, that's, uh, like, that's like Roger Moore. Roger Moore trained <laughs> in martial arts, 
for for his to look that bad in, in like man with the golden gun and he he couldn't look more stiff yeah. and ridiculous but he trained he actually went out of his way to train uh, I, I, I mean look the thing the thing with enter the dragon is as a, as, as a slice of cultural phenomena you you can't beat it it deserves its place it introduced bruce lee to the west introduced the entire genre to to western audiences and it deserves its place it's a broad you know spy caper that tried to cover as many exploitation bases as possible uh and you know it's it's rollicking good fun but it is not the best bruce lee film however kind of is however kind of isn't uh right when it comes to the transfer People who've already picked up the Arrow Bruce Lee box set will know that there is a vast variety of what a 4K transfer can look like. You know, you start off with the big boss and it's absolutely sublime. You know, oh, it's everything a 4K restoration should look like. And then you get to Way of the Dragon. And where the dragon looks. <laughs> kind of oh. looks kind of looks a little bit chunky, if you know what I mean. But, you know, it it, it, it's the, it was the industry. It was the time. It was everything. Yeah. It was the way, the way it was shot. Now, Enter the Dragon probably sits somewhere in between that. Uh, there are huge chunks of Enter the Dragon that look really soft. The entire John Saxon on the golf course scene at the beginning looks like it was, you know, doesn't get past, you know, mm. 720p, let alone sort of 4K. It's that soft. Uh, however, if you compare it to the 40th anniversary Blu-ray, it's leaps and bounds out of it. That looked even worse. So th- there's, there's a measure here of expectations around this. If you expect Enter the Dragon to look, you know, like you know, the greatest 4K restoration of a 70s Hollywood film, you're going to be disappointed. Place it in the context of Bruce Lee's other 4K films, and, and, and it's, 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 it's very good. It looks better than the Blu-ray did. The colours, again, are the main beneficiary here. The outfits look absolute they, they look ribald is, is what they look they're so bright they're so rich uh detail does tighten up considerably as well especially once you get past it's almost like the first half of the film when you're introducing the characters and there's all those flashbacks there's a huge amount of optical transitions which obviously you know those were done pass after pass through an optical printer so the film softens up considerably so suddenly you know for the first act of the film you're looking, oh, God, it's really soft. It tightens up after that. The other issue to think about here is the crazy decision with Warner Brothers here to put the theatrical and the special edition on as two separate encodes, not to do it via seamless branching. So in essence, you've got two versions of the film slapped on the disc. Now, what that means is it's taking up twice as much room on the disc. Bit rates for the compression are only about the mid-40s. You know, the rest of it, you know, some of the Arrow stuff, we're nudging 85, 90 megabits per second. Enter the Dragon is half that. Now, for most of the time, not too much of a problem but there are issues of macro blocking uh where you can see the compression really struggling to resolve it all the most notable scene for me was as the junk is leaving hong kong harbor to go to hans island uh there's a scene where the junk's pulling out the sky behind it it's just lego blocks of macro blocking and stuff like that so it's not hugely problematic because that doesn't happen all the time it's not all the way through but I don't notice a lot of that stuff most of the time, but this really stood out to me. And it just questions the decision by Warners to, to do that. The the rest of it, again, it's it's the same. Uh, the, the new Atmos track, so I nearly forgot. The new Atmos track actually is very good. 
it, it gives uh, Lalo Schifrin's score a right royal rocket, and it's great fun. Uh, surprisingly enveloping and engaging, surprisingly not too obvious in terms of crazy new sound effects. It's it, I, I was as, as impressed with the Atmos on that as I was on the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> you know, wow. but, but obviously, though, what they've also done is they've stuck the OG lossless uh, 2.0 track on there for, for Puri. So you've got both, which is exactly as it should be. Uh, the extras roster, which again, you know, over in the States, they got the 4K disc and nothing else. We get the 40th anniversary uh, disc. It's the same block of extras, right? There. Same block of extras. There's some really good documentaries on there, some really good behind-the-scenes stuff. True. So, so for once, we, we came out swinging with that. So yeah, it's... It can now take pride of place in your Bruce Lee at Golden Harvest set. And that, yeah, that's where mine is. <laughs> exactly. Well, it, it'd be where mine would be, but I haven't even taken my Bruce Lee set out the cellophane yet. So, you know. Uh, but yeah, uh, people who were worried that Warners would cock this up after all the good work that Arrow did, uh, it's it's 90, 90% excellent work from Warners. So, yeah, okay. good job. Nice. Tell us what's coming out in 4K. Oh, my word. Right. Well, you've well. You've already spoiled big news 2.0 with Criterion. Oh, I want Prey. I want the Prey Steelbook. Oh, sh- so you're doing it again, aren't you? Oh, you're sorry doing it again. That. Do you know what? I don't even know why I bother. Uh, right, it's Cutthroat yes. Island that I can't wait for. Yeah, I want Mean Streets from the US. 4K. Do you know what? I'm just... <laughs> Get stuffed. So uh, Mike, right. you're out of a job. <laughs> <laughs> right, let, let's quickly go through this. So yes, Predator... The Predator sequel that no one thought would ever see the light of physical media day prey is coming to 4K on the 3rd of October in the States. No news on a UK release, but you can bet your bottom dollar it's coming. Uh, typical, it's got Atmos, but no Dolby Vision. So just like all the MCU discs, but at least it's here. Hey, what? Uh, yes, Criterion UK snuck out an announcement about 4K after hours. Literally no fanfare, nothing. It's just, just appeared. Uh, but it's coming on the 9th of October. Uh, it's going to be the, the same port, but yeah. Keep your eyes peeled for what's coming after this. But finally, 4K Criterion UK, baby. Although, of course, not to be outdone, Criterion US go. You you want you only want one Scorsese, you Brits. Well, in November, we're going to give you Mean Streets on 4K. We're going to give you Terence Malick's Days of Heaven on 4K. And we're going to give you Peter Bogdanovich's Last Picture Show on 4K. Yabu sucks to you, little Britishers. That's what the American lot are doing. So... Yeah, if all those start to trickle out over here, uh, thank you very much. Uh, more classics are coming from Sony with the 50th anniversary edition of Sydney Pollock's classic Weepy, The Way We Were, in the US on October 17th. Uh, but obviously, over here, Studio Canal are gearing up for Christmas, it looks to be already, uh, with Cutthroat Island, everyone's. 17th favorite pirate film i I do think i do think i saw it at the cinema as a kid i'm almost certain i did but i can remember nothing about it other than gina davis there's there's a ship in it matthew modine's got a hilarious mustache in it i remember a ship i remember Uh, that's coming on the 18th of september uh jean-pierre genet's other classic uh, cyberpunk delicatessen is coming on the 16th of october and alejandro amenabar's spooky classic the others is coming on the 2nd of october uh, but of course, we've got Halloween first. So Cujo is getting a 40th anniversary 4K release from Kino in the States on October 24th. 
the Universal Monsters are getting another re-release in 4K, the original wave. But my word, it is a gorgeous limited edition, the artwork. Uh, if you can go and find out what this new limited edition looks like, it's, I, I wasn't going to pick up the, the, the 4K monsters until they get the individual expanded box sets per monster. But I think I'm going to grab this because that packaging is ruddy gorgeous. Art uh, cards. No, it's not art cards. Uh, but do you know where there are going to be art cards? Just not in English, unfortunately. Toho are gearing up to release seven classic Godzilla films in 4K starting in October. Tom, I don't care that there will be no subtitles. I know them back to front. I am going to have them. <laughs> yes. So we've got seven. We've got, I think we've got Mothra, Mothra versus Godzilla, Destroy All Monsters, the original Godzilla coming in three waves, uh, two a month, I think, with, with a three in December. They will not have English subtitles, but do you know what? Don't care. There's no way Criterion are going to miss up the opportunity to stick out a Godzilla box set or even you know, Arrow or someone over here, they'll be coming shortly. So yay for lots of classic Godzilla. And I'm especially looking forward to that as I am loving, I've done some uh, dabbling in the Gamera pool, which I'd never oh, done before. Those are so fun. And they're amazing. Uh, the the Hisei trilogy yes. that Arrow released, those three movies are brilliant. Awesome. I'm two down of that. I've got the last one to go. The and last they are one is the best. Legitimately great movies. Come on. So there you go. Forget 4K. Everyone go pick up the Gamera. Is it Haisei? 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 That one. That one. Go yeah. pick up that steelbook. It's awesome. Anyway, that's it. Done. Finished. Back to you, Kaz. <laughs> Next up, it's streaming and TV show news. If you'd like to support the AV Forums podcast on a regular basis, then why not become a patron? Head over to patreon.com forward slash AV Forums to sign up. You can also make a one-off donation through the Super Chat or via streamlabs.com forward slash avforums. All donations help us to improve the website and the podcasts. Thank you to all our supporters. Right, so for streaming TV show news, really quickly rounding up, I had the chance to dip into Justified City Primeval. It doesn't debut on um, in the UK until uh, 6th of September, I think, um, on Disney. But it, for those who are concerned, I mean, it's a great return to form for Timothy Oliphant's Raylan. Um, I love the original Justified and, in fact, have gone out of my way to try and get through the entire original series before finishing off City Primeval and have like one season to go or one and a half seasons to go and City Primeval hasn't finished its run. Uh, I watched the, the premiere of this uh, and it feels very much like home. It doesn't feel like years and years have passed. Sure, he's a bit greyer, but he's still got the same great lines and the same attitude and the same Right hair into trouble. Yeah. No, no, because everyone in Detroit is saying, "Why are you wearing a Stetson?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think that you know what. In watching rewatching Justified, the first two seasons are basically everyone he meets asking him why he's wearing a hat. <laughs> they, they just go, "What are you? What are you doing?" Someone tries to steal his hat, and then he has an argument with them over wearing hats. I mean, it's yeah. There's Shocker. a lot about the hats. The first season is about the hats. Um, <laughs> I love it. Uh, this was. This was 
actually based on um on one of uh elmore leonard's non Raylan books uh it was uh, unrelated to Raylan, but they found a way of injecting Raylan into the narrative whilst also retaining all that classic elmore leonard dialogue uh, and it really does i mean it really has the feels for, for justified and and for Leonard and and looking back, justified is is supremely underrated. I mean, it's it is the purest, most enjoyable way of getting loads of on screen Elmore Leonard action. Um, it's been a joy revisiting it, and it's it was a pleasant surprise going into this new show. And I'm hoping to polish it off, maybe in time for the next podcast. We'll see. Nice. Uh, but another show that has come to a conclusion and i was really eagerly anticipating this and that now not so much so because how'd it go star trek strange new world season two the finale the finale do you know what the finale you when i watched it i was like ah what is that it looking back on it um They've gone for like a, a classic TNG uh, season to season cliffhanger. You know, they've gone for a, a best of both worlds type situation. Um, that doesn't mean they pulled it off though. <laughs> <laughs> what did you reckon, Mark? I, you were you were waiting all season for this storyline to rear its head, weren't you? Uh, yeah. Yes. Yes. I, I, I mean, I mean, look. I'm, I'm gonna. So the season as a whole, to me, I, I, I put it in the review. I, I was a bit, I was a bit nonplussed at the end of it, which, which is a bit baffling because on an episode by episode basis, ninety percent of the episodes are completely standalone. They're all completely individual, veering between. Yes, you had a musical episode. Yes, you had the crossover with the animated lower decks. You know, you had a number of frivolous lightweight old school og type episodes you had a number of really dark stuff going on in there as well which you know and and tonally the entire season pinballed all over the shop for me what it missed it didn't just not have the narrative arc across the whole season i enjoyed each individual episode but it felt like because each individual episode tends to focus on a different group of characters, you it just felt like there was absolutely no connective tissue between the episodes whatsoever. There was no growth of the characters. There were no arcs for the characters whatsoever. And given that the opening series, the opening episode ended with a uh oh, guess who's coming, and then literally you don't hear anything about those unexpected visitors until the final episode. It felt a really strange construct for a season that basically started off by saying something's coming and then completely ignoring it until the very last cliffhanger episode. It felt just, I, I was satisfied at the end of each episode and some of the episodes I really liked. The musical episode, which is coming for a huge kick in from Forum members, I really enjoyed. I thought it was fun. I thought the songs were good. I thought it was clever. I, I just had, that. It was I just had a, a really good time with it. Uh, I didn't enjoy the Lower Decks episode because I don't watch Lower Decks, and you know I I have watched Lower Decks on and off, and I really enjoyed yeah. that one. So that was a, so, that was a Freaks episode as well. Jonathan it, it, Freaks it, done that it one. It was a Freaks episode. So so you can, so so as a series, 
uh, I, I gave it a seven out of ten. Yeah, maybe I could have stretched to an eight if I'd woken up on the right side of bed that day. Nah, you were right. Seven uh, out of ten is right. But but it it I I feel season two started off knowing where it was going. I feel it ended with no clue whatsoever, and I have no idea what season three is going to look like now. I think uh, I think we've mentioned before that like it's season two started off knowing where it was going, and I didn't want it to go there, and I was quite pleased when it didn't go there. <laughs> And then when it went there at the end, I was like, oh, God damn it. <laughs> uh, because these unexpected visitors, Jesus are, we Christ, really, are we really avoiding spoilers like it's this? Not, I've written it. I haven't seen it. Review. I have I've written no it idea. Review, it's so, the Gorn, it's right? The like, oh, no. They, come on. They look Who garbage. They look so bad. They <laughs> are gone. so stupid looking. They are worse looking than when Kirk meets <laughs> them, right? They are so <laughs> ugly. Like the CGI on them and the puppetry is so ugly. Is it as good as Secret Invasion? Oh, man. I, I just, I never want to see the Gorn again. Like, <laughs> just move on now. Yeah. So, okay. yeah, I mean, definitely watch it, Kaz. There are, there are. Some, uh, te- I will. I'll just wait for the next season. It's brills. If you person. if you've got a thing, yeah. if you're shipping Spock and Nurse Chapel, boy, will you ever be <laughs> pleased. Uh, but also, it's quite good. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. Uh, wasn't quite as good as the first season for me, but maybe it's because the first season was such a surprise coming. Yeah. You know, since then, we've had Picard season three, which you know. I'll cu- I'll cut it some slack because I feel like everyone loves uh, Strange New Worlds enough for them to know they're going to get a third season. Yes, so if they want to be a good. bit more, if they want to be a bit good. more playful with season two, uh, you know, as if it's half of a season two and three double bill, mm. I'm okay with that. Fair enough. It's That's like it. the first season of Star Trek since like 2001. It's great. <laughs> Done. Oh. Are, we, are we finished yet? Can we go home? Sure. Yeah, please. Coming soon. Oh. Amber isn't known for being great at the cinema, but the new Equalizer looks fun. I mean, yep, I'm I in for that. I've got my stopwatch ready. I'm I'm good to go. Uh, we'll be looking at Fast X, which I've got over here. This really, really ugly steel. That's board. horrible. I know. Yeah, but you know what? It's from America. It says Fast X. Here, we get 10. Yeah, 10. Why do we have 10? The film is called Fast X. Why have we got 10 written on the steelbook? You got a big pink 10. Yeah, it's just so it's the same kind of artwork, just none of the figures, the faces on it, the actual cast. Instead, it's got the generic car and a number 10. Great. Thank you very much. Um, Wicker Man in 4K, Second Sight's limited edition 4K sets of It Follows and Crimes of the Future Mm -hmm. that uh, Simon and Mark have already covered. We're just eagerly waiting to unleash. Uh, We'll have all those in time for the next podcast, plus we'll have probably all likely seen the uh, eagerly anticipated Ahsoka. And more importantly, Van Damme, an embossed Van Damme steelbook just arrived i've got blood sport 4k in the house come on yes um do let us know if there's anything we've not covered that you think we should check out that is it for the av forums podcast this week my thanks to the movie team of mark night night everyone and tom i'm so sleepy (laughs) and simon in absentia 
Um, if you enjoyed the podcast, please give us a like and subscribe to this channel, plus hit the notification bell so you don't miss out when we publish our live streams, product reviews, and more. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook and bookmark avforms.com for the latest reviews, news, and videos. Plus, why not leave us a five-star rating on whichever service you use, if they allow it, but only if you enjoyed the show. I am Kaz Harlow. Thank you for watching and listening, and join us for another podcast. Uh.